And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked to about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for believing in me. I'm Steve Ferroli. You are listening to the Ted Williams League Baseball Podcast. Days at the playground Right out in the street Baseball made life complete Hi everybody, happy holidays. Steve Ferroli here. I'm sitting here with Dylan McDonald, Ryan McDonald, and Matt Marini. How's it going, boys? How's it going? Uh, I'm Dylan McDonald, and I'm glad to be back on the podcast. I'd just like to wish everyone happy holidays. Hopefully everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, and I'm here with my colleagues, Ryan McDonald and Matt Marini. How's it going, Ryan? It's going good. Ryan, you're his colleague now. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost brother status. Wow. Matt, what's going on? Not much. Just glad to be back. Yeah. Well, this is what happens, Ryan, when you're left-handed. It's just inevitable. <laughs> so, we haven't done a podcast for a while, and, um, you know, uh, we're happy to be back. We are still working on our championship game, um, which, were, which was a fantastic game against Purple and Black for the third year in a row, and um, we'll have that posted very soon. We had a few setbacks here. I, uh, life decided to beat up on me a little bit, and, um, but um, I'm fine actually doing better than I ever have, you know. Uh, to uh, you people out there that have hernias, um, you can live with them as long as you don't abuse that those living conditions. And I decided that I wanted to be Hercules one day, and uh, I ended up whining like a little pussy for about six hours at the <laughs> hospital. Where's the horn? You know, when they would decided to uh, mile me into emergency surgery and... Uh, you know, three and a half late, uh, three and a half hours later, they're like, "Okay, you're gonna be okay, but uh, calm down." So anyway, that's a story for another time. But I'm happy to be back, you know, and uh, feeling good. Um, so what's going on, guys? We were gonna talk a little bit about a little Thanksgiving recap. Was that it, Dylan? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Patriots lost, so yeah. Obviously, it's not the outcome we wanted, but Thanksgiving was good. How was that game? I didn't see the game. Uh. They lost 33-26. It was a very controversial touchdown call in the third quarter, I believe it was. Um, and that, honestly, besides that and a few penalties from the Patriots is one of the deciding factors of the game. Now, does this, this like, the secondary quarterback, do we ever, does we ever see him again? Is he kind of, he did so well when he, you know, I kind of, you know, punched in for a little bit. I'll be honest with you, when they did the take a knee thing a few years ago, they lost me big time. And I played in high school. And, uh, you know, so I liked the game, but, uh, you know, the game's not more important than the flag, so they lost me. But when I, when I heard that the take a knee thing had faded, I did punch in with the, um, you know, the replacement of um, Brady, so to speak, and, and um, what was going to happen there. And that kid that come in, what, is it Jones that got hurt? Yeah, and uh, Bailey Zappi you're talking about. Zappi, yep. yeah. I, I was really impressed with him. And Now, do we, does he get any time? I was too, time? and personally, I was surprised that they eventually went back to Mac Jones. I thought they were going to stick with Bailey Zappi because they were playing very well with Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones has been struggling ever since he came back from his injury, but he played pretty good the other night. It was good to yeah. see. 
Yeah. So I, well, I think they they obviously if they're in the NFL, they're quality players. There's no question about that. But I was just very the poise of is it Zappy? Am I yeah, saying that right? Yeah. I I thought he just carried himself like you know. I'm going to do my job, I'm coming at you, and I don't really care. And and I think you need that. It's just something about it. his uh, his demeanor. Yeah, it, very... I agree. I remember uh, watching his press conference after his first um, game in the NFL because they lost both their quarterbacks. So he came in, and uh, he just seemed very locked in at the end of the game. They got the win, too, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what the what the sports hub would say about this. Um, <laughs> Matt, what, what what do you think? What do you think about? Well, we'll stay on the Patriots a little bit. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm always a big um, underdog story type of guy, so I thought it was cool when uh, Zappy came in. and He did well for a few games, but I mean, Jones had a good game on Thanksgiving, so I'm assuming they're just going to keep riding him unless he gets hurt again. Well, you know, it's nice to know you have a, a guy to go to that no one's worried about. As a matter of fact, if if Jones had to come out, you'd have a lot of people in those stands saying, Zappy, you know, they're all, right. you know, and they, you wouldn't, you know, it's not like um, the guy you're bringing in is a problem. He might be better than the guy that's out there, you know, so that's nice. Ryan, what do you think? Are you uh, watching any of this? Yeah, that, that's kind of what happened in the, uh, the game against the Bears a few weeks ago. Mac Jones started the game. And then it was his first game off of his injury, and then he had a tough first few drives, a uh, few three and outs, and then threw an interception. And then they uh, decided to go with Zappy for the rest of the game, pretty much, and he looked good that game. So yeah, well, it, you know, it's it's nice to know they got they have they have two quality quarterbacks, and and my understanding is they're both very young, isn't that right? Yes. I don't follow yeah. it all. Both under twenty five years old. No kidding. Yeah. So they, you know. Uh, boy, they're gonna. The future is bright for the Patriots. That's for sure. I oh, mean, yeah. obviously the loss the other night was tough, but Thanksgiving was great. Um, it was nice just to spend the day with some family and some friends, and we even up at the field working Thursday morning. Yeah. So that felt good getting the uh, the baseball building. Yep, getting the pavilion ready for the winter. So yeah, it was fun. It was fun. That we caught some really good weather too. So. You know, we'll put the we'll put the pigskin down and maybe jump over to the the um <laughs> the streaming adventure. Now I don't know if any of you guys caught this, but we tried to stream the sixth game of the World Series. And uh, you know, my friend Charlie, who's uh, better technically than you know, technology wise as far as stuff, you know, like the technology of trying to stream. I'm uh, bad at it and I wanted to comment play by play pitch by pitch on the sixth game of the World Series and I had mentioned that I had watched a game with Ted at his house one time and how we turned the volume down and we would just talk back and forth about what we saw and you know him more than me but I was right in there too and we really enjoyed ourselves and we really didn't want the the commentators to interrupt us and he said turn the volume down immediately and we didn't have it all the way down but enough so that it wasn't going to distract us from what we were seeing and that was the idea of that well we had it working pretty good in the day so now it comes time for the for the game to come on and nothing we can't get any audio and I'm like oh man you're visually 
you could see it, but the audio would not come in. We tried for an hour and a half. So anyway, what we did was we backpedaled to a highlights reel a few days later, and I commented on the highlights reel um, about the things that I saw and that would be very much in line with the science of hitting and, and things that Ted might have said as well. You know, years ago, and you guys might not know this, but there was an article being written about me in Sports Illustrated back in the late 80s. And Ted was interviewed and he, he talked to Sports Illustrated for about 20 minutes. And the big thing he said, he said, this kid can give you my answer to a question on hitting. So the idea was to, to um, watch the game and let you hear in you know 2022 what the greatest hitter of all time probably would have said if he was streaming this game with me. That was the idea of it because he felt like I could do that. As a matter of fact, me and him were both asked the same question about Red Sox slugger Jim Rice. Ted was 1,500 miles away from it, and we answered the question almost verbatim. That'll give you an idea of how close our thinking was. And he, you know, he's he's my father in hitting. That's probably the best way to say it. He he created me. You know, I worked at his camp and all this stuff. So lo and behold, we went, went to give this a try. We couldn't do it. We backtracked to the highlights film. Film. Um, what did you guys think of that? Um, I thought the the way the video was laid out was great. Um, you know, the it was the highlight reel first, and then it was the analysis after. Yeah. And I thought the analysis, of course, was the better part because it was just awesome listening to Coach Steve just talk about baseball analytically and from his perspective of the game. Um, but yeah, the the game itself, it was a decent game. The final score was four to one. Um, there wasn't too many hits in the game, unfortunately. And it just seemed like a lot of guys struggled at the plate. I mean, even Bryce Harper, who's one of the best players in the Phillies, he was late on every at-bat. You know, what's funny about that, I'm glad you brought that up, and I didn't say this in my analysis, because um, it's, it's so hard. There's so much information, and you, you just try to do the best you can. And, and I, you know, I kind of know, you know who I am and hitting, and it, I don't want to be confusing. So I don't want to talk in such a way where you know, my listeners would be, you know, what is he talking about? I'm sure I do that enough. And Ted had that problem as well. You would listen to him, and I could tell a lot of people did not understand what he was talking about. And, and of course, you're not going to interrupt him and say, hey, you know, what do you mean by that? Uh, although he probably would have appreciated it if you did. So in Bryce Harper's case, what I thought happened was I thought that he had been uh, had hit the wrong target area of the ball in his first at bat and then because of that thought he was early and then the rest of the game was behind on everything so this is a perfect example now if you watch the highlight film you'll see what happened and I said I thought he rolled it over uh, or that it was what I call a target area mistake I believe I said it was a target area mistake in his first at bat. And that then jogged or made him not understand his timing for the rest of the game. He thought he was too quick, and I think he tried to pull the reins back a little bit, which is a podcast and video in its own right. There's some serious detail there. And he ended up late, late, late the whole game. Um, 
So that, that's kind of an interesting, I'm glad you brought up Bryce, Bryce Hopper. Um, Rye, you got anything to add in relation to the, the, the World Series analysis of Game 6? Um, I just thought it was pretty crazy. These are like the highest level players in the world, and they still have, or they still have a lot of room to improve on, and yeah. a lot of stuff that, if they had just thought about it a different way and just tried something else, that they might be a lot more successful than they already are. Yeah, I mean, I, a perfect example is the high strides. I had one of, uh, one of my favorite baseball coaches that worked with my program and attended my program. His name is Seth Thurden. As a matter of fact, I just heard from his brother Billy the other night. Uh, just a great guy and a really good player. And he was saying that they have now transferred their timing into their front leg. And it's the worst thing you could ever do. You don't stride forward like you're stepping over a basketball or even over a baseball. Um, you can't hit until your front foot gets on the ground. And they land so much later than Ted did, um, and it's amazing. You know, I'm watching uh, Pena, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, he's dead late. And then he gets two hits. You know, he gets his hands in good position and pushes the ball in the middle. I'm saying to myself, what would this kid do? He's a young kid. We wait about 24 or so. He's young, right? And I'm saying, what would this kid do if he understood how to swing and time things a little bit better? Matt, did you see any of this? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of talent in that game on both sides, but like you pointed out in the video you made, there was very little two-strike hitting oh, in the entire game. And, and yeah, I mean, I thought your analysis at the end was the best part of the video for sure. Well, I, I appreciate that. And my fear there, and, you know, and I'll say this again, my, we have a YouTube channel. So somebody's listening and say, where, where, where do I see this? We have a YouTube channel that is Ted Williams forward slash Steve Faroli Baseball. I think if we have, I don't know, maybe 100 subscribers, because when I get onto YouTube and I start talking, I'm usually talking about things that no one's ever talked about before. And they're like, what is he talking about? Um, you know, most of my work in baseball that I'm most proud of is my rescaling of children's baseball, which is the Ted Williams League. And, you know, there is no information on YouTube at all in regard to the dimensions and equipment used in children's baseball. If you look for problems in children's baseball, like what people think about AAU, or people think about the politics and all-star teams and tournaments, you're going to find plenty of that. You know, one of you guys would mention that people were really upset on Twitter. Just said, was it Twitter or was it TikTok? Yeah, I've been reading threads on Twitter um, just about, you know, club baseball in general and the main issues with it and how parents are concerned now more than ever about their their player safety um, because they're just they're simply playing too many games and it just seems like that they're playing too many games it's it's not good for their arms it's not good for their arm care in general they're not practicing enough and you know just the whole design of club baseball is is what people are starting to become concerned about and I think something needs to change because they're like a, 
they're, they're like a cancer cell that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Well, I can tell you, my simple solution is if you're in driving distance to us, we're in Hanson, Massachusetts. You know, we're about 30 miles south of Boston, give or take. If you're in dri you're driving distance to us and you're a parent that's concerned about your child, child, the best thing you could do is form a Ted Williams League team and come and play us. There w that would be an idea. Just call us up and say, how do we do this? And we'll tell you how to do it. And you'll save a bunch of money. And the thing that you won't have, and I just got contacted recently by someone in the, in the world of sports medicine saying, I think it's amazing that Little League, little, that the players in the Ted Williams League have never had um, any cases of Little League elbow or what he called thrower's elbow. So they may have changed the name of that medical condition, which they really should, because it should, it's not just Little League, it's AAU, it's Babe Ruth, it's all of them. You need to be in the correct dimensions with the right, with the right equipment. So the point I'm making here is that most of my conversation and the most important thing I have ever done in baseball was to rescale children's baseball properly. And if you want to watch that, you can go on the same channel I just explained, Ted Williams forward slash Steve Rooley Baseball, and you can watch a whole presentation on it, which is still not completed, but it will be. Um, we talk about bats and the ball and the distances and how the main plays of the game aren't even there. And, um, and injuries that occur, hit batsmen and, and, you know, like we said, little league elbow or thrower's elbow. Um, and we've solved all that. We don't have those problems at all. And our focus is, you know, get out there and kick the other team's butt. We don't even think like that. We, it's more like, okay, go out there, learn how to try, learn how to improve. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Some of the greatest athletes in the world, I remember hearing Michael Jordan say this. I heard Larry Bird say it. That, you know, the games they learn the most in or the times they learned the most is when they were defeated or they were, um, you know, they got woke up by someone who could, you know, hold them on, on defense. Or, you know, uh, you know, I know Ted would really take stock in, I mean, Satchel Paige struck Ted Williams out four times in one game. And, uh, you know, if you think of that, that is quite a stat. And then Satch ran over to him and said to him, don't do this and don't do that when you face me, because you can't. I know what you're doing, and I will get you. And, and I think that's just a fantastic story. And again, I won't go into detail on that, but I'm sure Ted Williams became a better hitter that day. Um, but anyway, uh, so I do think that, that, um, that, that there is a concern with, with children's sports, and what I'm saying is it might be nice for people to know that there is an answer. Now, let's say you don't live around us and you're out in Iowa or uh, Idaho or Texas and you're like, Steve, well, how do we do this? Well, all you really need is about 18 kids. You can play them pick-up form back and forth. You can play them short form, which is you make three teams of five or six kids, and you play. And that will be a better experience than all this, hey, we're going to go here into this big tournament. We're going to pay three, five, ten grand. What is it, Matt? You're out of your mind. You know, I was, you know, my parents said, you know, on the streets of Boston, you know, we tape up a black ball, we play catch, and my parents would say, you want to be good? Well, go be good. 
You know, you want, in other words, you want to get better? Well, go get better then. We're not going to buy it for you or, or make believe we're buying it for you, which is what I see. That's you know, I, I think see. part of the problem with uh, club baseball in general, especially at the younger levels, is it seems the way it's designed, it just seems that there's more of a priority towards winning than there is towards getting better at the game. Exactly. You know, there's all these tournaments and everything that they play in, and it's all about, okay, like, we're going to win a trophy. and You know, but at the end of the day, it's it's about whether you're – you're having fun as a team, and you're getting better as an individual player, and you're playing under the right dimensions as well. And that's that's what's more important because, you know, I think success is obviously important as you get older in sports, but um, the emphasis should be on getting better, not just winning a trophy. Usually nowadays in, in this society, at the end, whether you win or lose, you're going to get a trophy anyway. So, And, and, and that is not... That is not a good reflection of life, and in my opinion, sports should be some sort of a learning adventure and reflection of life. And um, and it's not. And a lot of times, this winning is for the coaching staff and not for the kids. If I was a nine-year-old kid driving like three or four hours, didn't you tell a story, Matt? Where you run an AAU team, you guys drive like a million miles and. And then you dropped two or something. And yeah, we it, we went to New Hampshire for a scrimmage, so it didn't even count towards our actual record or how that, however that works. And it was a doubleheader, and we lost both games. Yeah, and, it, you know, when I was 9, 10, 11 years old, I'd rather stick a fork in my eye than get in my car and drive a million miles with my mother and father. I'd rather be climbing trees and riding my bike or, or playing wiffle ball or something fun, not driving. I hated being in a car and waiting to get there. And then you don't even know if you're playing on Ted Williams League where you have to play. Whether you're 5 or you're 25, you play in the TWL, you cannot sit out more than an inning in a row, period. Get out there and, and you know, it's not about the, the coaching staff, it's about the kids learning and, and learning about well, what, how, why did I strike out? Why did I drop that ball? Or why did I strike him out? What did I do right? Not just the things you do wrong. And, um, and I think that conversation right there is way over the heads of most people that are, you know, out there. A lot of them, they get their kid, and I'll, I'll, I'll take the team. I'll coach the team. They volunteer. Well, they start a business, and they really... You know, we were talking about, um, I was talking to Dylan the other night, and we was talking about starting a business, and it's kind of like you really got to know what it is you're trying to do and what it is you want to do uh, to start a business. And this idea of creating an AAU team or several of them so that the parents can make some, you know, can, can create a side hustle with your kids as the guinea pigs, that's just asinine. You, you know, you really need to think. And I know people are caught on to that because, uh, you know, I'd see some, and don't get me wrong, there are some excellent AAU coaches. There are, and I, I have several in the area, and I think the world of them. But they they, they kind of know what's important and what isn't. And, uh, and they, you should almost have to have it. You should, there should be mandates for that in the state or the federal government. You should have to take a test. You know, I remember a guy years ago from Georgia, he said to me, you know, you have to take a test to drive a car in the state of Georgia, but we'll give anybody a team of eight-year-olds. 
<laughs> I said, that's really well said, you know? You know, part of the reason why we're saying all this too is we're just, we're, we're concerned about the future of the game. You hear it a lot of times, people say, oh, baseball is a dying game. And I think part of it has to do with, with club baseball and the way it's grown as a sort of like a nucleus cell that's just hasn't, there's been more cons than there has been pros. Well, another thing, one thing it does that I don't like at all is it leaves the kids that aren't as good at the game behind. I don't like that. In the Ted Williams League, we take everybody. You know, it's like, does it matter? Now, we're not saying we'll always play you at the level that you want to play, but we'll take everybody. And if we get a kid that's, you know, you, and anyone listening to this that knows sports knows what I mean. You get a kid, he's eight years old, but he plays like he's 10. Well, what we do is we suggest to him hey, you know, maybe you should play with the nines and tens. And if he's afraid, you know, we'll let him, we'll say, well, will you try it one game? You know, we'll, we'll give you a candy bar if you try it one game. We bribe him, right? And he gets there and he does fantastic and he has a great time and he's proud as punch because he's playing with kids two grades older than him. Um, now, uh, the, conversely to that, we'll get a kid who's nine that plays like he's seven or worse. And depending on his body size, because we don't want the younger kids to get hurt, because that's a factor as well. You got to look at it from both directions. We'll say, hey, would you, would you mind playing with these kids? Because we think you're going to learn more. And most times the boy will say, yeah, I'll do it. And a lot of times we'll let him do both. You can still stay here, but will you come and do this at the other level? And then sure enough, he does something pretty good at the lower level. He feels good about himself, and then he brings it to the higher level with them, if you're following what I'm saying. Boy, I can't get it. I, I, this stuff, I just can't get away from it. It's like I, you know, sometimes I'll say to the guys, I'll say, I, mean, I try not to talk too much, but when I get on it, it's so important. It is, it is, to me, the Ted Williams League is beautiful. It is just, the, you know, it is the best thing when, you, when it's executed properly. You know, at my summer camp, we play by Ted Williams League rule. If we have a game, we're playing with wooden bats. We have the right size ball, the right size bases. And to see those kids out there, it's a beautiful thing. What's very difficult to watch is all the tendencies and all the, the, um, the things that they now do because of the other dimensions and the other leagues. And uh, it's just sad to watch because if they started with us and they continued with us, they'd be three times better than what they are. There's no question in my mind. We see, we don't, there's no T-ball in the Ted Williams League. And I've had many a person say to me that the kids that come out of your version of T-ball, which is no T at all, and I'm not gonna go into the details of it because you know, it would take an hour, but they're three times better than the kids that play T-ball. And would you guys agree with that? You've all been yeah. involved at that level. Absolutely. Matt, Matt does a ton of it. Right. Well, he used to. You all did a bunch of it with me. And I loved that level of play. I, I, I couldn't stand it when I started, and then I realized that I was doing too much, and I was, what I was doing was incorrect, like the way I was approaching it, and I fixed that, and I, I adore that program. I don't mind doing that at all. You know, and then, you know, you're talking five, six-year-old boys, you know. That's a long way from criticizing Altuve. <laughs> but... You know, that's, I think that's important. You've got to understand the whole thing. So what else did you guys, you want to get back on the game a little bit? Or? 
I don't know how we just well, went off on it. We can we can talk about the Double A Championship if you want. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you guys can jump in. That's a long time I mean, ago to me, <laughs> but I hear you. It was it was a great game between um, Black and Purple, and the great playoffs in general for what was a great year for the men's division as a whole. Yeah, it was definitely in the time I've played the highest level of competition throughout the league at one time. Now, didn't you guys square off against Black in the playoffs in the early round? Was it Black? Me and Ryan faced Purple. Oh, and purple. What, what I think is the game of the year. It ended, like, final score was like 8-7, to seven, I think. Yeah. It was back and forth. We were down, then we clawed back, and then they, they got a walk off in the eighth inning. Yeah. It was an amazing game. And even Dylan's blue team against Black was another great game as yeah, well. That was a one-run game too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very good game. Um, it's kind of disappointing the way it ended. Um, you know, we had a guy get picked off a second to to end the game, but um, you know, I had I had an opportunity to dr drive in the tying run, and it made me feel good to be in that situation to have the opportunity to drive him in. So it it, it was a good game. Um, it was interesting. The standings kind of fluctuated a little bit. Black team was really good. My team finished in last place, but we had some very close games. Um, we, we fought hard. We fought as hard as we could. But it was interesting because we had five teams this year instead of four. And I think part of it was because Ryan was a new captain. He got a bunch of his friends to join. And, um, you know, we kind of basically formed our own teams. And it was, it was kind of cool in a sense. It was different for a change because – it's changed from what the Ted Williams League kind of used to be, where they, everyone like drafted equally in a sense. Well, well, just to clarify that, because there are people are listening to this that are like, okay, when was used to be? Um, in the Double A division, you're talking an average age of like 23, somewhere in there. Um, we have boys in the in the league as young as 15. Um, but the average age is around 23, and then you've got old-timers in the game. I played till I was 51 or 52, and then I finally said, this will be enough of that, you know. Um, but uh, what had happened early on was we used to draft the teams pretty much from scratch. And then we would, the division director, which is myself, well, this year was Chris Collier. I, I've delegated that, and I just act as the commissioner. Um, but what that person would do is we would look at what we call player skill numbers and we would make sure that those skill numbers were pretty close across the board from team to team to team. So let's say, you know, you have, I mean, just for, to, if you understand what I'm saying, let's say you have 15 players and um, they all are 10s, which is the highest number of all. So that means that team would have 150 skill points. Well, if the next team only has 100 skill points, we get a problem. We pretty much can tell that that team's going to lose or they're not going to do as well. So we try to balance the skill points. We try to keep them within five or so from team to team. But what happened is, as we went through the years, we started to create what we called a nucleus because we'd have a guy come in and say, hey, I want to enter a team in the Ted Williams AA division, and I got five friends. So then me and the, the guys that were into it the most, we said, well, why don't we just let them bring in a nucleus? So we'd have a nucleus of six, 
So five guys plus the captain, or four guys plus two captains, something like that. And the whole idea was we want to bring in my friends. Well, that went along, and that really helped things out. So what would happen is now we'd have, let's say we had four nucleuses of six players. Then we would evaluate that nucleus, we'd come up with some numbers, and then we'd set a draft order in relation to the weakest nucleus to the highest nucleus, if you see what I'm saying. The weakest nucleus would draft first, so on and so on, so on and so forth. Then we decided, oh, well, cripe, let's just say eight guys plus the captain. And that's a nine. And, you know, because the league got more popular and, you know, one friend would say, hey, do you want to play two? And now we had more than the nucleus and the, the captain was worried that we're not going to get this other friend of ours that we want. And what I found out at this level is that some guys are more interested in playing with their friends and some guys are trying to play with their friends and win. There's both. And both are fine with the Ted Williams League. I think both of those things are important because you can be friends, but if you drop the ball or you strike out, it's still hard on you. So, and, and therefore all the lessons we were talking about earlier still have to be learned whether you're with your friends or whether you're with some of your friends and some players that were drafted. And if you want to try to win it, that's good. If you don't want to try to win it, that's okay too. Because when you're on that field, you're getting some exercise and you're learning something about yourself and maybe about your friends and about baseball and about life in general. That's kind of our philosophy all the time. So that's kind of the evolution of the nucleus. And I would you guys agree that it's best now with one guy, one captain or two captains, and eight or seven friends if they have them. Yeah, personally for me, I, I like that. Um, I It's interesting to see how the, the league has evolved in that sense. And I think that it's... It's the more po it's more popular. It's you know we had five teams this year. We have more guys looking to get in every year. Yeah. People see that okay, these guys are having fun with their friends. Why can't we join a team and also be a part of the Double A division? Yeah, and you know another part of it too is it's cheap. I think the cost. What was the cost last year? I remember one eighty five. That sound right? Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. One eighty five. And here's another thing too. Every single person in this podcast is involved in either our broadcasting or our umpiring. You know, myself and Matt, we did both championship games this year and last year. Uh, all of us umpire, you know, either at the younger levels or in the AA level. So the Ted Williams League has internal umpiring. And I remember Coach Banks, who is, is the championship captain this year, He early in the year he said, you know, I'm a high school baseball coach a varsity baseball coach, and uh, I just want to let you guys know that often the internal umpiring of the Ted Williams League is far better than what we're seeing at the varsity level in high school. Um, and that's true. And, and even though the guys know each other, in other words, Dylan might have the plate and I might take the bases, and Dylan's a defending captain, he's not going to favor one team or the other because number one he knows I won't allow it and I think that's another thing you gotta learn to do you gotta learn to be hey I'm gonna do the best for the game's sake I'm not gonna try to 
upset the standings by making prejudiced calls to, you know, we don't, none of us are like that. No one in the league, but we don't have a problem in the league. We had a couple of guys with big mouths and a couple of guys that, you know, um, will argue over calls when they shouldn't because there's no arguing with any umpire in the Ted Williams League at any level of play, whether you're five or a five-year-old once said to me, yeah, I was safe. I said, no, you weren't. He said, yes, I was. I said, no, you weren't. He said, yes, I was. And as long as he said, yes, I was, I was going to say, no, no, you weren't. And then we're just going back and forth. Finally, he started laughing because he realized I was not going to stop. I was just going to keep telling him he was out. And it was funny as anything, you know. Nice little kid. Right, but that's that, that's basically what we do in AA. And basically, our end goal is just to basically provide the best brand of baseball that we can. Um for example, I really enjoyed umpiring, and it was cool that because of Double A, I became really passionate about umpiring. I enjoyed doing it behind home plate. It's hot, isn't it? it it's difficult, yeah, and <laughs> you got guys that get a little chippy sometimes, but um, you know it's fun. And I even got to umpire some games with my brother, so that, that was pretty cool, and I'll I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah, and your grandfather was a fantastic umpire. You know, he'd get my ear down the field and start yakking to me. What's his name? What's his name, Dylan? Richie. Richie, yeah. Yeah. Now, you had his gear. Did he give you his gear? Yeah. Oh, that's even cool. So, yeah, we're big on stuff like that. And, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, double A was a lot of fun. And uh, it always is. And, it, it, you know, we've had, we usually have six, five, six teams, you know. Um, and I think, you know, it's nice to have what appears to be COVID behind us, or at least it's here to stay, but we know how to deal with it now. I think that might be a better, you know, vision of what COVID is. And uh, it's just nice, you know, like I saw on the news, the, the malls were filled with people, Black Friday shopping, you know. Hey, weren't we going to do, like, the, this Thanksgiving-like thing about, oh, you think it's, we're not going to do that? We, did we decide against that we were going to do what was your favorite thing besides turkey? Let's do it. Let's yeah, do let's it. let's do it. Right. Come on. Get it going for us. Uh, so we met, we had met, and we said, we're going to, when we do the podcast, we're going to do what your favorite thing is. Oh, it's too bad Charlie isn't here. What your favorite <laughs> thing is besides the turkey, which I thought was interesting. Right. Why don't you kick us off? Uh, personally, for me, it's mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes, so... So Brian is a potato head. Okay, so that that's so he likes turkey, and then second best is mashed potatoes. Good, good choice. Butter and salt, all that, yep, right? All yeah. That. Pepper, pepper. I, I like pepper on them. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Dylan, what do you think? So I mean, obviously, unless you're a vegetarian, you got to go turkey is number one, right? I can't see anyone saying they enjoy something else more than they enjoy turkey, but um. I really enjoy it. My mom makes a casserole on the holidays. It's like a broccoli and cheese casserole. Oh, cool. It's a little bit different than green bean casserole, but it's like her own like homemade recipe, and I, I love it. And I had my friends over the other night, and I, I had them try it too, and they, they loved it as well. So yeah, you Sh be... shout out to my mom for, for making that. Yeah, you, you, best, you both of you is best to be shouting out to your mom and dad, because I'll tell you, I've been in this a long time. You get yourself a good set of parents. You better hang on to them. You better hope they hang on to you. <laughs> Might be better said. Um, and Matt, I could say the same thing about you too. And uh, what do you think? What is it's not gonna be a fish, is it? Is it no, gonna be no, a fish? It's gonna be even better, ready? Oh. <laughs> Lasagna. Um, look at that. That's, see, this is why we call him the Italian. 
That's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> turkey dinner with some lasagna on the side. Um, I never realized how Italian Matt was until I heard he had lasagna on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, and two glasses of wine, too. Ah. Well, I know Charlie's not in this podcast, but we were talking about it in a meeting the other night, and he just quickly said ham. So I'm going to leave it like that, you know. Um, so I don't know if his, his parents used to have ham as well as the turkey. I don't know. But um, you, next time he's on, we'll question him about that. It's an expensive Thanksgiving dinner right there, ham and turkey. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm uh, pretty close to Mr. Potato Head because my favorite is sweet potato. And uh, my buddy Dave, who was a fantastic cook and uh, who, you know, did a ton of work in the Ted Williams League. As a matter of fact, we honor his number. His number is always up there. Ted's number is up there. And Dave's number, number 15. Because, uh, I mean, Dave did so much for the Ted Williams League, I can't even explain it to you. Um, and he would, he used to make sweet potatoes and he put in like some like brown sugar and he, he had a way of like, um, you know, uh, flavoring them. And they were just to die for, you know, my mother used to love them. I loved them. And, uh, Dave was a pretty good cook, you know, and he used to rent a room for me for years and, and work in the league and umpire and all that. And, uh, so I'm a sweet potato guy, you know, and that's it. So, um... You know, I wanted to bounce back to the uh, to the World Series thing a little bit because there might be some people who watch it from this podcast. And one of the things I started, I, I talked about the two-strike stroke, and I wanted to go back to that because I believe I had figured it out to have Major League Baseball in the biggest game of the year, the, the, the game where the championship, the world championship would be claimed. I believe there were somewhere around 34 two-strike at-bats, if I remember correctly. And their batting average with two strikes was somewhere around a buck 40. Now, what I'm saying to you is, if they had a two-strike stroke, I'll bet you their batting average would be somewhere around 240 rather than a buck forty. And that made a might have made all the difference in the world. Uh, and that's what I'm saying to Major League Baseball, to the fan. Also the shifting, if players have a two strike stroke, you're not gonna see guys shifting all over the place. Because Ted Williams might be a pull hitter, you know, if we go back into the the fifties, but with two strikes he the ball smack right in the middle of the field or to the opposite field. So you're going to shift for him? Are you going to shift back when you get two strikes? It's going to balance the defense back to traditional positioning, which I think is something Major League, Major League Baseball has created a rule for it. Next year, you're going to see more traditional positioning because the shifting is distorting the game, and it's distor distorting how kids play the game because they can't see the normal plays of the game enough to latch onto. It's hard enough when they can see them, never mind when they can't. I think you make a great point, Coach, and um, I also want to go back to what Ryan was saying, too, about how these players in the MLB, especially in that World Series game, they have a lot to improve on, and um, part of the reason why, I, what he means by that is what I think is that they're, they just have the wrong approach at the plate, and the two-strike stroke is a great example, you know. In the ninth inning, when the Phillies were at the plate, it was like 
what, like a three up, three down inning. The you seventh, guys, the seventh inning was a disgrace. You the, guys swinging at the first pitch against a closer. It, it, what about Schwarber drop, trying to bunt with two strikes? Because what, inning, no, what inning was that? That was the ball. I think it was the eighth inning. I think it was the eighth. Yeah. The, to end Here's the eighth the, inning with two outs, he tried to drop down a bunt. And you know what's interesting about that is he is he is as dangerous of a swing as there is in the game. And you know, and I I I want to do this too because. A lot of times when people listen to me, they say, listen to this guy. You know, they they seem, you know, they, it's as though, you know, who am I to criticize them? Well, you know, I think I can make a very good case as to who am I to criticize them. So that don't bother me so much. But what I would ask back, what I would ask back to all these people is, why aren't you thinking more about what I'm saying rather than glorifying them for something they are not. Well, Coach, I mean, all you have to do is watch that game to to know what you're talking about. I you mean, you think so? You think it comes across? Yeah, it, it guys clearly comes across. I mean, that game was that game was honestly horrendous in my opinion. Well, it's it's well, I think I think that it it's just a lower. It's like you have these beautiful racehorses, and they're they're running a course that isn't as good as they are. That that would probably a good way to say it. You have the, you have these unbelievable athletes, and they're running this um, obstacle course that could be so much better, and they're just going through it with these basic techniques rather than what they could do, which would be better. And the fan is taking it. Okay, this is what it is. This is what. And well, not everybody. There's a lot of complaints. You know, here comes soccer. You did, did America beat England by no tie. A tie. Zero zero tie. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I'm not a big soccer fan because to me, like they never get it. They, there's not enough shots on net. I can't. I can't do that one. No. <laughs> that's just me. You know, I, I know it's the most popular game in the world and all, but I'm watching. It's all like in the middle. You know, can somebody take a shot at this goalie before he turns 80 or something? You know, it's like that sort of feeling. Get, you know, get a shot up. And I see some of the shots are brilliant when they. I watched that one team beat the team that hadn't lost in 36 games or whatever and they were threading needles with those shots they were beautiful shots but to me there's just not enough of them you know i'm kind of more like the hockey pace you know shot 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 you know that that you know rebound shot again you know or basketball you know rebound it goes back up again this sort of thing you know but um yeah i mean if you take schwaber here's a guy that had put the put put the team ahead in the early innings, the third inning, or whatever it was, with a home run without a two-strike stroke. And I made the comment that, that that's bad because when someone walks, you know, like I think um, maybe Tucker walked or, or yeah, Schwaber, no, yeah, Schwaber walked on a pitch that was a strike uh, in the early, maybe the first at bat of the game. And, uh, and what happens is that is not good two-strike hitting. And if you hit a home run or you walk and you don't have a two-strike stroke, it leads people to believe that you can get away with murder with two strikes, and you can't. More times, well, you'll bat a buck forty. Let, let me give you an example. <laughs> That's what will happen. I don't That's remember. What happened. I don't remember the exact scenario, but say it's four to one in the seventh inning. You know the Phillies are down four to one, and there's a guy on second, and say, I don't know. Uh, Bryce Harper's at the plate or Kyle Schwarber's at the plate and you're down two strikes, isn't your job to either move the runner over or get that run in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or at the very least, let's do this one. Put the ball in play 
so the person on the other team feels the pressure. You're talking about the World Series. How many right. people would you say were watching that game? Millions, yeah. would you agree? Millions. In one way or another. And, you know, to think that some of those players will never be on that field again. They'll never be in that situation again. Some of them will. Most of them will not. And to think that if I put this ball in play and this guy makes an error or he boots it, uh, whatever would happen, or he throws it away, and all of a sudden that's a more exciting game. Uh, with a two-strike stroke, there could be a home run. With a two-strike stroke, there could be a dribbler. There was one play in that game made by the pitcher. One. There were no plays where the catcher come out of the box to fork a ball bare-handed and throw to first, a second, a third, a second. None. And that's exciting baseball, it's too. It's exciting baseball. I'm with you, to, Dylan. To the real baseball fans, that's, Boots. that's, that's more exciting than um, you know what they're doing now, trying to hit the ball 400 feet with down two strikes with a closed-off stance. Well, it's one of the hardest things to do. What you, well, the thing to do, too, is uh, as far as the two-strike hitting goes, I, I believe there were either four or five hits with two strikes. Is it Mancini? That's yeah. the name. Mancini was the only one who had a two-strike stroke that made sense to me. I believe Val, uh, uh, Valquez had one. Uh, Altuve had one. I'm trying to remember who else had one. I can't remember now, but... But, but Mancini's was the only one that made sense to me. It was done properly, and he did it on purpose. It was a beautiful hit to right center. Um, so two so he, I recommend, if you listen to this podcast, that you watch that analysis of, you know, kind of like what Ted and I would probably have said if we were watching that game. And... Um, I think you might really enjoy it. And if it's a player, I'm hoping some of the players hear this or see this and say, geez, you know, this guy makes a lot of sense to me, you know. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is I was talking about style. And I didn't really, do, you know, when you do something like that, and I very rarely talk about Major League Baseball because I think that Major League Baseball um, – is just like kind of the moon to me. I look at it, first of all, I think I'm 20 years ahead of it, uh, hitting-wise anyway, and some defensive stuff I'm not thrilled about either. I mean, I don't know how a guy cannot pick up a ball all night long in left field. That was really odd to me. How many times are you going to drop the ball when you, mate, when you could write a check from my neighborhood? That irritated me. And I know this guy's talented. I'm not saying that. You know, get some work done, you know. Get some work done on that. Get the ball out of your glove, you know, because there's a million people watching you that did take their ball out of the glove, and they may have been there. They may have been a college player, high school player. They may have been a good Babe Ruth player. Show them. If you are the highest level of this game, show that to us. Show that to us. And that, that's kind of my thing there, you know. Uh, that's what it should be. But I talked about style, and I didn't really, I did an okay job about it, talking about it, but I do want to say this. Um, style is important because you want the people on your team batting in such a way that'll do the best job for your team in relation to their ability. And I was talking to Ryan about this the other night. Now Ryan sets up as a pole hitter. In, in high school, I think he could have done a really good job with that and did. As a college hitter, I would recommend that he becomes what I call a power middleman. Uh, it, those things can change, 
but I think that would be a better style from him, um, for him, because I think he will get the most power and the most on-base percentage from that style than he will if he tries to become a pull hitter, a power pull hitter. Um, and when I did the analysis of the game, I was mentioned, you know, I kind of said, hey, do you want to see Tom Brady play center? And, and I, I kind of chuckled, and I'm sure you're chuckling too, because you're talking about probably the greatest quarterback in the history of, of football. You know, we don't want to see him play center. We want to see him play quarterback. Okay, well, do you want to see the tackle, you know, now be a tight end uh, or, or a wide receiver? No. No, I'm not saying he couldn't. He might have a great set of hands, but he runs at two miles an hour. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like he might have some things that are good, but in, on the average, he deserves to play this position. He deserves to play this style as a hitter. So when you watch this and you listen to me rattling on about style, what I'm saying is, is that the Ted Williams theory would be executed out of one of four styles. Pull, power pull hitter, middleman, power middleman, or singles hitter. Of those four styles, a power pull hitter and a singles hitter are the most rare. I would say a singles hitter is the rarest of the four. Um, but all those players would be following the Ted Williams theory of hitting. Hips ahead of hands, striding on time, looking for certain pitches according to the count. But they would be doing it out of that style of hitting, which may change the direction of their stride slightly, bring them closer or further away from the plate, and have them hitting the ball in different parts of the field. And I made the comment on or there, and I want to say it again here. Most of the great hitters hit the ball to the middle of the field. Roger Zonsby, Ty Cobb. Um, Roger Zonesby, um, 358 lifetime average, I believe. Cobb, 367. Middlemen, they hit the ball in the middle of the field. The greatest story in baseball history is old number three points to center field and calls his shot with his pinstripes on, I believe. And uh, he didn't point to right field, he pointed to center. And I love that story because he is who Ted called the greatest hitter of all time, which I really think was Ted, but he thought it was Ruth. He didn't point to right, he pointed to center field, and I think that says it all. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk about those two things, and I recommend if you're hearing this podcast that you go ahead and listen to or watch that. Um, you'll see the logos, you know, the, the, um, the Philadelphia logo and the Houston logo if you go to the, to the YouTube channel. Anyway, that's it. What else you guys got? Uh, you could talk about the shop, TWL shop. Oh yeah, Matt, you gonna get going? Yeah. Yeah. Go, okay, Matt's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna punch out. You can just go, Matt. Thanks for coming. I know you had a. Yeah. Are you working at the uh, the cinema today? No, I have to go. Inside. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got a date, guys. That's what he's not telling us. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll catch you, okay? Yeah, see you. All right, maybe you can do help me uh, the building a little bit, spot in. Okay. Because Ryan's heading back, you know. Yeah, let me know. All right, Matt, I'll see you. See you. Yeah, so one of the things we do, um, a couple of things. Let's, let's talk about the summer camp. One of the things we're going to do this year is we're going to set our summer camp dates before Christmas. 
and we're going to bring in 24 kids, only 24 kids, and uh, and that's it, and that's sold out, and we're going to do that maybe for eight weeks or whatever, and we do different ages and different weeks because what we want is we want you to be able to come here, and we've had several players come from out of state and stay in hotels and stuff, and we have an overnight camp, but we, we kind of pulled the plug on that with COVID because I was just afraid to do it. I did not understand. Well, the, the whole world didn't understand what it was. And I'm not still sure I have a good grab on it. You know, it's just one of those things that kind of, you know, you know, the court is still out on it a little bit, you know. So I, I said no overnight camp for the past two years. Now, maybe we'll do it again this year. I'm not sure. I'm going to think about it a little bit more. But we're going to set our camp dates early and you'll be able to sign up online and actually put a deposit down online or pay online and you know let's say we ran for eight weeks and you are signed up and we're doing ages nine to ten uh you know from july 10th to whatever you know july whatever it would be to a two week uh or one week program or two weeks or whatever you're gonna you decide to do well then you're in and when we get 24 players in a week that's it that's all we're taking uh, because we do so many different programs, we feel like we can do a better job like that. Well, if we take a small amount of players, do a great job teaching them, let them play by Ted Williams' league rule. You know, we podcast the game last summer, which we'll have up here pretty soon, and you can listen to that. And those are all wooden bats by Ted Williams' league rule on our uh, Ted Williams' league field, which is the same location as the camp. Um, so that's what we'll be doing, and we'll be getting, we'll be talking about that more when we set the camp dates. And that you can get to that website. The new information isn't up there, but the last year's is. Um, you can go there by uh, SteveFerroliBaseballCamp.com, TedWilliamsLeague.com, or TedWilliamsCamp.com will all bring you there. And when you, if you do go there, uh, you know sometimes people are looking for a Christmas present. And you might want to remember us. We have a, a shop there, and this we sell music CDs, which has been a fun fundraiser for the league for years. Um, we also sell, you know, like Ted Williams League caps. We sell Ted Williams League pullovers. We sell, you know, T-shirts and pennants and this various things that that might perk your interest in them. Um, and we'll send them on their way for Christmas. So, and all that money goes to the Ted Williams League. That's what we do with it. We'll, you know, you know, come up with something that we need, and we'll buy it. You know, that's what happens there. Um, you guys got anything to add in closing? We're pretty much to an hour, and that's God. Time flies. We haven't done this for ages, yeah. huh? It really does. It, it definitely feels good to do another podcast. It's just been so long you know the season gets going and we just get a little busy you know what i mean it's yeah well it's you difficult. know yeah with the, with my stay in the hospital and then uh then i come home and a week later i got covid and, and you know it just it, it takes a while to fight back from all that and a lot of this came to a stop because you know it it's you know uh, it's it just is it's you know like i do the the podcast, I put them on the platform, and nobody else has done that yet, is trained to do it, so it's either me or it's going to sit. We have, let's see, one, two, three, we have three or four podcasts that are still waiting to be loaded, so maybe they'll all come up in like the same week, you know, boom, 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 like that, you know? So, um, so, Ryan, when are you heading back to school? Tonight? Today. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the, in the daytime? Or, or yeah. In the, yeah. Uh, 
after this, I'm actually going to go throw Sam some batting practice. No kidding. Awesome. You going to head down to Bastable, or is he going to no, meet No, he's you? coming here. Oh, cool. So, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, make sure you tell him I said hi, and, uh, and yeah, that's fantastic. Too bad that his cage wasn't still up. He could just hit there, you know, or whatever, but it's all down now, <laughs> fighting the snow. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, Dylan, Ryan, thanks for, for coming over and helping me with this and, and all the work we did on the building this week. It felt good to be out there moving again. And Dylan's got his new boots. I love that story. I called them boots early on. He picks up, the, you get this great deal on these killer work boots, steel toes. He was kicking the panels. It was great. So, hey, from Hanson, Massachusetts, thanks for listening and get, get a, a good, good pitch, pitch to hit. hit. I called on you to spark up all my fun Days at the playground or right out in the street Baseball 